Good morning, everybody. My name's Dave, uh, one of the ministers here. I think I've met most of you. If I haven't, please come say hello to me afterwards. I'd uh, love to have a chat with you. Uh, let's pray as, as we continue to hear God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that you speak to us, uh, that you reveal yourself to us, uh, you want us to know you. And Lord, I pray that you would do that today as we uh, hear your word. Lord, work in us by your Holy Spirit that we might know you better, uh, and on this day, uh, see the cross uh, and know why it was so important for all of us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've got problems with kids' Bibles, um, kids' story Bibles. Uh, my problem is that Jesus often appears as just one of many stories. Okay, so you get Adam and Noah and Abraham, Joshua, David, Solomon, Elijah, and then you get Jesus. Now, look, you know, not every kid's story Bible does this. There are some really good ones, which, you know, Jen has picked many for our shelf. But this is my favourite, uh, the Big Picture Story Bible. This is a great one. I remember reading this with Andy when she was a, a, wee, a wee little girl. And um, I would read it to her at bedtime and uh, she would fall asleep and I would keep going. Uh, because I, was just, I just loved the way that it weaved together all the stories in the Bible to point us to Jesus. Right? And, and that's, the, that's the point of the Bible. Jesus is not just another story, but every story points us to him. Right? Jesus, we, we believe this because Jesus said it. Uh, Jesus said it to his disciples after he'd risen. I know it's Sunday, but we can talk about it today. Um, after he'd risen, he said this to his disciples. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. See, Jesus, he's, he's kind of like central station uh, for the trains, right? All, all the lines lead to central, unless they would if we had a, you know, a better rail system. You would get there eventually. But see, all scripture leads us to Jesus. He is the centre. He's the centre of the Bible. But then a good question to ask is, uh, what was central to Jesus? Uh, what did he come to do? And the answer is he came to die on the cross. Right? And that's what we remember on Good Friday. We remember how central the cross was to Jesus' life. And as we do that, we need to ask ourselves, is the cross central to my life? Right? Is it the most important reality to your existence? Does the cross shape everything that you do in life? You see, many people, they can ignore the centrality of the cross, uh, think that other things are more important, like Jesus' teaching, uh, or, or they can think the church is more important, they can think you know, the Holy Spirit is what is most important. Right? And so they can forget the importance of the cross, move it from the centre, and then start to think that other things are more important. They drift, drift away from what truly matters. Right, and if we do that, uh, then we're going to miss what is central to Jesus. And we're going to treat his life and death as just another story that we've heard before. And so today, all I want to do is, I, I want to show us how the cross was central to Jesus, as we saw in Luke's Gospel. Uh, and then I want to think about, or look at, uh, what is central to the cross uh, that we see in Isaiah. And then think about what does it mean to make the cross centre of our lives? 
so that our lives are shaped by it. And so first, let's look at how the cross is central to Jesus. Uh, We see this in the Gospels. Uh, All four Gospels show us this, not just Luke. Uh, They have been called passion narratives with a long introduction. You heard that before? Because that's what they are. Uh, Almost half of Matthew, Mark and Luke uh, are about Jesus' last week of his life. Uh, And more than half of John is the same. Now, if you were selling, if you were making a biography, uh, you would not make a best-selling biography if it was about one week of your life. Even if it was the best week of your life, you are not selling many copies of that book, right? But this is what the Gospels are about. Uh, Very little about Jesus' early life. Uh, Almost nothing about his life as a carpenter, his work life of almost 30 years. But what they focus on is Jesus' three years of preaching as he headed to the cross and then died upon the cross that final week, that lead up to that. And it's not just the gospel writers were obsessed with Jesus' death, right? They focused on it because Jesus focused on it. Right, Jesus, you think about him, you think about his power, uh, his wisdom, right? He could have done anything. And we see him doing amazing things in the gospel. Uh, One example is Jesus could have healed all disease, all physical, all mental health diseases gone, fixed through Jesus. Right? No, no waiting for the rollout of vaccines to get to you. Right? No going through Medicare to get better. Right? Jesus could heal people with a word. Right? You think about it, if you had that power, wouldn't you feel obligated to help people and to heal people? And so what do we think? Well, we must conclude that Jesus had something better to do. Right? That, that he came to deal with a greater problem. And so what Jesus did was he turned his back on all that stuff uh, and he headed to the cross. And so we see that early on in Luke's Gospel. Have a look on the screen here. Luke 9, 51. Uh, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Right? And, and Jerusalem is, of course, the place where he would die upon the cross. Um, and you're sort of thinking, you know, why, why the cross? Why that Roman you know, tool of execution that, that would put as much pain and as much shame upon a person as possible? Why was that the way? Uh, it's hard to understand. And it was very hard to understand for the disciples, Jesus' closest friends. They, they struggled with it, even though Jesus had told them three times, I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. Uh, they still struggle to understand that. And in the passage that we read today, uh, it's the Last Supper, the night before Jesus died. Uh, He's just shared with them that the bread is his body given up, uh, that the wine is his blood poured out for them. And what do they say straight after that? They start arguing about who is the greatest among us. And so it's clear they're just not understanding what is about to happen. And so Jesus, he knows this, uh, he wants to direct them, he wants to help them, wants to prepare them for what is coming. And so what does he do? He quotes Isaiah 53. Have a look here. Uh, Luke 22, 37. It is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. That's from Isaiah 53. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. 
And so he's talking about his coming death. Right? And you can see that he's just emphatic about it, right? It is written. It must be fulfilled. Yes, what is written is reaching its fulfillment. Right? This is the plan. Right? There, there is no other way. This is how it's going to happen. And so Jesus saying this right before he's arrested and killed uh, is showing us that he wants us to see Isaiah's prophecy as the way for us to understand the cross. Not just that verse, uh, but the, the image that we get in Isaiah 53 of the servant. And so what we have there is that clear from the Gospels that the cross was central to Jesus. And then we're going to see in Isaiah's prophecy uh, what is central to the cross. Uh, and that is atonement. Atonement is central to the cross. And so if you've got your Bibles, Isaiah 53 would be the place to have open. So flick there. And Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus. I'll let you think about that later. Um, it's about God's salvation that he would bring to the world through Israel. Um, but here's the problem. Israel was very sinful, not good at obeying God. Israel was very weak in the world and small. And the nations around them were huge and powerful and just squeezing them out. But how was God going to save the world through them? Well, the answer is that God plans to do it through his servant. And so through Isaiah, we get these five servant songs that tell us all about the servant. And what Jesus is saying, when he, when he takes Isaiah's prophecies for himself, he's saying, I am the servant. I'm the servant that Isaiah was talking about. And so this one here is probably the most famous one that we read today. Uh, it's made up of five sections of three verses each. And I'll leave you again to look at that later. It's great. Uh, but just the first three sections are important for us. Uh, the first one um, says there that uh, we see the servant is great in God's eyes. The servant is so great in God's eyes. Uh, God says this. He says, see, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Right, but then the second sec section sort of contrasts that because even though the servant is great in God's eyes, uh, he is of very low esteem in people's eyes. And so we see that in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. And so then as we come to this, the central uh, part of, of this servant song, um, what we see here is, is what we see at the centre of the cross. Right, the servant suffers greatly. But we see here that he suffered as a substitute to make atonement for sin. Right, the servant suffers as a substitute to make atonement for sin. And right, if, if you watch sport like me way too much, um, then you will know what a substitute is. Right? A substitute goes on in the place of another. Someone goes on, someone comes off. Uh, it's a sub. Okay? And, and that's, that's what Jesus is doing here. That's what the servant does. The servant suffers in the place of others. So have a look at this. Isaiah 53, verse 5 to 6. As we're reading through this, just look at the way you see the, the he, the servant, uh, and, and the people, Israel, um, how they are relating, how he is substituting himself for them. Okay, so from verse 5. 
But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, what Israel deserved there is punishment for their sin. Right? They realised that. Uh, but the servant substituted himself for them, as we can see there. Right? He took the pain and suffering they deserved, their punishment. Uh, he was pierced and crushed, or, or he suffered horribly for their sins. And what was it for? It was for our transgression, for our iniquity. We see clearly it was because of our sin. And what was it for? What was the purpose of this suffering? We see it there in those verses. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Right? It's talking about atonement, right? Uh, reconciliation between sinners and God, right? Healing of that broken relationship between people and God. That is what uh, it was about. Atonement is central to the cross. Right? This is how we are meant to understand the cross of Christ uh, as Jesus took it upon himself. Right? Our sins deserve the eternal punishment of God. Uh, but through the cross, Jesus took our punishment upon himself. Right? He substituted himself for us and he suffered the punishment that we deserved. And it was so that we could be reconciled to God. So they could heal that relationship between us and God now and for eternity. Right, you compare that to healing all diseases, it is a million times better. It does not compare. Uh, and that is what Jesus came to do. And so you can see, hopefully you can see, Jesus' death, not just another story. Okay, it is the most important event to ever happen in the history of the world. Right, that is not an overstatement. Right, connected with the resurrection, of course, but this event is the most important thing to ever happen in the world. Right, Jesus, he's the centre of the Bible. The cross was central to Jesus and the centre of the cross was the atonement. And that's why there was just such an importance and an urgency and a necessity about Jesus and what he came to do. And that's the same kind of attitude that, that we must take on as well as followers of Jesus. Right? Is the cross central to your life? Uh, does, it, does it shape who you think you are? Uh, does it shape what you think is most important in your life? Uh, does it shape what you think is most important for others as well? Uh, because it should. You know, a good, good way to put it is, are you living a cross-shaped life? I think one of the greatest examples of a cross-shaped life was the Apostle Paul. Uh, we've been reading about his letter to the Ephesians and um, one of the times in his life he spent, he would go to different places and spend time with them and, you know, preach the gospel. And one time he went to Corinth and he was with the Corinthians for 18 months. And this is what he said about his time with them. For 18 months, this is what he said. He said, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right, 18 months of Good Fridays with Paul. Uh, what, what was he doing? 
Was he just recounting the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose again? Or was he doing something more? I think what they were doing was, and as we see in the scriptures, is that they were making sense of the cross. They were reading the scriptures, reading Isaiah 53, thinking, oh, this is what happened. This is the way it had to happen. Right? And they were letting that shape the way they lived, their thoughts and their actions. That is what he was doing there 18 months. Right? And so as the cross shaped them, it also must shape us. We must do the same thing uh, as God's church today. And so firstly, what does that mean? Well, firstly, it means we must trust what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Right? Because only Jesus can save us from sin and death. That's what he came to do. Isaiah 53, 6, um, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Right, you think about that. Think about that image of a sheep. What hope does a sheep have if it is lost going its own way? I was at the Easter show the other day. You get to walk around and, and pat the sheep. Um, not intelligent animals. Not particularly strong. Uh, not very resourceful. Okay, a sheep is, uh, if a sheep gets lost, uh, that sheep is a dead sheep. And in our sin, what is it saying? It's saying we're like lost sheep. Uh, we are heading for disaster on our own, going our own way. But Jesus rescues us from that through the cross. Right? Jesus, the good shepherd, picks us up into his arms and, and makes us safe. Right? And the way that, that that happens is that we trust what he's done for us on the cross. And what that means is you, you need to first recognise your sin, uh, why Jesus had to die. And we recognise that in the way that he suffered so much. It was so important. It was so serious. We recognise that in the cross and we confess our own sin to God, going our own way without him. And we ask his forgiveness. And someone who does that is forgiven. Uh, someone who does that uh, receives the atonement that Jesus won for them, reconciliation to God now and forever. And so once you've done that, uh, your life changes. Uh, once you've done that, the cross then becomes the centre of your life. It shapes who you are, the way you live. I just want to talk about three ways that it shapes us. The first one is the cross shapes the way we think about ourselves, right? Right? Uh, the way to think about yourself is to think about yourself as someone who Jesus died for. Right? We should wonder at that, that God would give his one and only son, so beloved, so valuable, that he would give him up for us so that we could have life. Right? If you believe in Jesus, you, you must think my sin is taken away and he has brought me to God. So I am loved, I am forgiven, I am secure in what he's done for me. Right, the cross tells us who we are in God's eyes and we should think about ourselves that way. And secondly, the cross must shape what is important to us, like the things that we do in life. The cross should shape that as well. Right, you think about all the possibilities of things we could do. Kids, all the things you could do in your life. There's so many possibilities. But then we think about Jesus and the purpose of his life was going to the cross. That is what mattered most to him. Uh, and that is what should matter most to us as well. Right? Our values and the things we do should be shaped by that. It should look so different to the world. It should not make sense 
in the eyes of the world, the way that you live, if you live a cross-shaped life. Um, one of the ways that we try and encourage us at church and help us think about this uh, is to say we, we partner in the gospel. We partner in this good news. Uh, and so we give out you know, the vision booklet, which has four ways of partnering. Uh, it talks about praying, giving, serving, and growing. And, and can I just say, that's happening among us. I'm so encouraged when I see people living cross-shaped lives among us in those ways, right? praying for the church and the spread of the gospel, uh, giving generously to the work of the gospel, serving one another in love, serving the growth of each other, right? and growing more like Christ, uh, probably above all things, wanting to grow more like Christ, even though sometimes you think I'm not really. Like I see all those things happening among us. That is a cross-shaped life and a cross-shaped church. Uh, and that is encouraging to see. And look, you know, it's not easy to live this way. Uh, it's not been easy uh, for us as a church uh, in this season. You might be feeling that tiredness or that weariness or just a little bit flat. Right? And what do you do in those times? Keep coming back to the cross. Right? Keep... Uh, looking to Jesus, uh, what truly mattered to him, what truly matters to our world. Uh, it is the only way that we can have life. And remember, it, it ends in glory. Okay, Your work, your cross-shaped life, your, your labour is not in vain. Okay, It ends in glory too. So keep looking to the cross, keep remembering that. And then thirdly, uh, the cross only shapes what we think is important for us to do, but also what we think is important for others to know. Because right? it's not only, you know, some sheep have gone astray, but most are doing okay. No, it's, it's all sheep, right? We all, like sheep, have gone astray. There is lots of lost sheep out there that are just wandering around. Uh, I remember seeing that story of a lost sheep that uh, it can't cut its wool. Have you seen this story? The sheep grew so much wool, it was just couldn't move and it was going to die. Right? That is the peril of a lost sheep. And, and we all are like that. There's lots of lost sheep out there. Right? And, and this is the way that you should think about other people. Right? They are lost, uh, but Jesus died for them to save them from their sin. Right? When you see someone, think about, here is someone who Jesus died for. Uh, here is someone who is loved by God. Uh, here is someone for whom the only way for them to be saved is to know about Jesus, uh, to come to him for that forgiveness that he won for them on the cross. Right? That is how we think about other people. Right? And I'm so encouraged when I, I see us thinking that way and, and knowing I've got to connect this person to Jesus somehow. Right? I've seen people doing that on Facebook recently with the, you know, the Easter Facebook ad. I've seen people sharing that, inviting their friends, say, hey, come and join us at Easter. Come hear some good news. I know there's people giving out their invites to people. Uh, if you haven't done that, there's still time. Okay, that person that is upon your heart that you know, I should have messaged them this week, I should have called them, I should have given it to my neighbour, there's still time, there's heaps of time. Uh, go and do that today, do it tomorrow. Uh, invite them along to Easter. Come hear the good news. Right, because nothing matters more for you, your family, your friends, your neighbours than that they be reconciled to God through Jesus who died for them. Nothing matters more than that. And that's what the cross reminds us of. The cross reminds us of that today. And so make the cross central to your life. Because right? Jesus 
and his death, not just another story, uh, it is the central story of the word of God. His death saves us from death for life. Uh, he is risen. We'll talk more about that Sunday, uh, but that is good news. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, it is, is with great uh, wonder that we come before you uh, um, with the cross before us. Uh, Lord, it is, it is with a great weight uh, that we realise our sin. And Lord, uh, we know we're going to confess that to you. We're going to pray for those things in a moment. But Lord, uh, just now, Lord, we pray that um, you would just help us, Lord, to live cross-shaped lives, uh, that uh, Jesus and what he has done and who he is would just impact us so deeply uh, that we would live for you. And Lord, thank you for the many ways that you are doing that among us already. And we pray, Lord, through your spirit and your word, uh, do that among us more and more, uh, that we might uh, live lives that honour you and see others come to know you and have the life that we are already enjoying. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.